CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Today on the On Inquire podcast, who's playing in what conference in a couple years? Because uh, I came out of Illinois basketball practice the other day and all of a sudden it looked like College football and college athletics was just kind of breaking apart. Uh, is the Pac-12 going to survive? Looks iffy. Is the Big 12 looking like the third strongest conference after being on the ropes two years ago? Looks likely. Is the Big Ten going to add more West schools? Potentially? And what's up in the SEC and the ACC? Well, it seems like some ACC schools want to go to the SEC, but can they? And what about Notre Dame and all of this? I... It's crazy. It's it's hard to wrap your arms around and figure out exactly what is all happening, and it's happening so quickly that by the time you get this podcast, there might be different news. Arizona and Arizona State, are, are they going to be leaving the Pac-12 by the end of this week? Uh, could Oregon and Washington decide to join the Big Ten? And the Big Ten, do they want them? Uh, all of this is happening so quickly that I went to uh, one of our national guys, Matt Fortuna, who's starting his own venture now. It's called the Inside Zone, but he's covered college football for a really long time, does a really good job nationally of it, uh, formerly of The Athletic. Uh, he's out of Chicago, one of my favorite guys that when, when he comes down to Illinois and covers Illinois. Uh, I love talking with him. He's always been good to me. So I texted him and said, hey, can you help us sort all this out? And he said, sure. So Matt's going to join us to break down exactly what is happening here with college athletics. Why is it happening? Is this American? We get into that conversation as well. So sit back, relax, let's figure out what's happening with college football next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, guys, first impressions matter. There's no two ways around it. And your face, well, that's most likely the first thing that someone notices about you. How your skin looks is going to determine good or bad that first impression. I decided it's time to put my best face forward and started using Caldera Lab to do so. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day and your confidence. Use our exclusive code Illini at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their best products. Listen, guys, I'm skeptical too. Men's skincare, we all want to be manly. We don't need that stuff. But I know you care about those wrinkles, those bags under your eyes. And why not look good? It helps us in life, helps our confidence. So take care of your skin, and Caldera Lab helps you do that. They create high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen is your twice-a-day formula to transform your skin. And the best part, it's super easy. Literally takes 30 seconds in the morning and 30 seconds at night. This little time for the huge benefits is compounding interest I can get behind all day long. Now to the fun stuff. What products is called their offer? 
Let me tell you. First off, the clean slate starts and ends your day. This face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. Then you'll apply the base layer right after to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Even better, it absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish to start your day confidently. Then the good, it's your go-to night face serum rounded out. And then want to take things a step forward, the Icon is the eye serum that helps you shine while addressing the three most common skin concerns around the eyes. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients, legit showstopper that is good for you today and in the long run. Right now, get 20% off with our code at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code ALINI. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, let's talk with Matt Fortuna. He's the founder of the Inside Zone, a new site you got to check out. Matt's done great work covering national college football the last several years. So, Matt, take a step. What's it like to start something new like this in the media venture? I should be picking your brain about this, Jeremy. You've kind of mastered it, it seems like, at least from afar. Uh, it's different. There, there's a level of responsibility that I, I don't think truly appreciate until you're right in the thick of it. And I welcome that challenge. I like that challenge. But a day like today, uh, I'm an editor, right? And so I'm, I'm putting together a story yesterday about all the realignment craziness that's happening. I'm thinking, well, no one's waiting on me for this. I'm just going to have it emailed out in the morning to, to my subscribers. And sure enough, I don't discipline myself and I'm up all night tinkering with it and I'm paying the price for it with a lack of sleep this morning. But you know, it, that's kind of the life we choose. That's, that's the, the craziness of this business. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for anything else. It, it's been fun and exciting so far. And the, the, the response has been great. Yeah. What, what are you hoping to kind of carve out in this uh, ecosystem at the inside zone? What do you guys want to bring? Uh, be, be the premier national college football destination. Obviously, I'm in Chicago, so you know, I'll, I'll have uh, more than my fair share of Illini stuff. And uh, their, their arrival in state has certainly been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons a lot within the last month as well. So I've got my ears to the ground in both places there. Uh, but, you know, I went around the country the last month in July. Uh, I was at every power media days, except power conference media days, except for the Big 12. And I was at the Mountain West Conference as well. So uh, just trying to cover the entire college landscape, whether that's realignment craziness like we're in the thick of right now uh whether that's opening kickoff which is you know less than a month away for for, for most teams right now uh, you know it's a crazy sport it's a fast-changing sport uh, i think you, you need to work hard every day to be on top of all the developments and to educate your readers and followers about some of the changes that are happening with this in the sport and why uh but but i love it i i'm very much in the adapt or die mode whether yeah. that's work-wise fan-wise or, or you name it and uh, I really enjoy the enjoy the challenge. Well, I was covering college basketball yesterday, Illinois basketball, and I, I looked at Twitter in the afternoon, Matt, and I was like, <laughs> how much changed since I entered Ubin Basketball Complex? Because uh, I saw the Pac-12 is disintegrating. The Big 12 is winning all of a sudden. Uh, and the Big 10, again, looking to expand. Florida State's basically saying, hey, we're shopping around here, ACC. Uh, so for for me and our, our listeners here, Matt, what the heck just happened in the last 24, 48 hours? Yeah, Jeremy, it's funny you say that because uh, I was talking to some some people at Florida State after that uh, 
public pep rally uh, disguised as a board meeting uh, yesterday. And I, I was trying to get their insight on what they think is going to happen with the Big Ten or Pac-12. They're like, we got our own problems, man. You got to fill us in. And, and uh, at Wrigley Field last night, ironically enough, the SEC, led by Commissioner Greg Zanke and uh, all school athletic directors, had a Wrigley Field tour. Just as kind of like a facility tour, how to modernize your, your historic stadium and to see what the Cubs have done that worked. And that was a pre-scheduled thing that had been in the works for weeks, if not months. I just found it like the most ironic thing in the world that uh, on the day that the college football world as we know it is coming apart at the seams and everyone's backstabbing each other and picking apart schools from other conferences. Here you have one of the two most powerful conferences having its entire leadership group in the backyard of the other most powerful conference, uh, the Big Ten. And again, it was a complete coincidence. And I think Greg Sankey even tweeted something to the effect from Ridley of anything happening in, in the football world today because uh, he saw himself a good Cubs game last night. Uh, but it's been crazy. And look, by the time this thing posts, this yeah. could be dated, right? That's how crazy uh, th- this landscape has been. And I, I think there are a number of dominoes that have to fall in order for the whole thing to essentially come apart, for lack of a better term. Uh, obviously, Colorado leaving the Pac-12 to go back to the Big 12 was a major move uh, that I think, for whatever reason, seemed to blindside uh, Pac-12 leadership, even though Colorado telegraphed their intentions pretty publicly over the last couple of months. And you can look on the surface and say, well, it's not the biggest market in the world, and they've only had one winning football season in their time in the Pac-12. But in my mind, shame on you, Pac-12, for letting a team like that dictate their own terms. I mean, we saw what happened when Texas, Oklahoma left for the SEC. We saw what happened when uh, USC and UCLA left for the Big Ten. As much as you want to criticize uh, commissioners or presidents and play Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback about what went wrong to lose brands like that. Reality of the situation is if you're a big brand in college football, like any of those four, you can call your own shot and you could have the best commissioner in the world. It's not going to matter because the money's the money and they're going to follow the big programs to lose Colorado. Uh, that's inexcusable, especially if that ends up being the straw that breaks the camel's back in the PAC 12. So the Arizona board of regents, which oversees both Arizona and Arizona state, as a meeting scheduled tonight, their second meeting of sorts this week. Uh, I, I don't have a sense right now for which way they're leading, but certainly those two along with Utah, the, the other three of the so-called four-corner schools of the Pac-12, uh, have essentially unspoken invites to the Big 12, which is the only conference throughout this that has been pretty blunt um, about their intentions here. They want not world domination, but they want to get as many pieces as possible they want to be in the fight for number three behind the, the Big Ten and the SEC financially. And in some ways, the easiest way to do that may be decimating another Power Five conference, which the Big 12 is on the brink of doing, to the Pac-12. So it remains to be seen if three more Pac-12 schools end up going to the Big 12. And if they do, I, I think the rest of this thing writes itself, right? You have a 16, 16 Pac-12 conference, which you can barely call a conference anymore. You've got Oregon and Washington, two very valuable properties remaining in that conference who will do anything to get out and get to a conference like the Big Ten. And you have the Big Ten presidents who have been doing their due diligence on those two programs for quite a while. Now, obviously, if they were automatic value adds, they would have been added, you know, beforehand. They would have been added, you know, because they they, they bring money, you know, last year, like USC and UCLA were. That's not the case right now, and I think you know, optics is a big thing in the Big Ten, and they don't want to look like they're decimating or delivering the final death blow to a conference they have an 80-plus year relationship with through the Rose Bowl. Uh, but the Big Ten is going to look at it and spin it as, hey, these are two very powerful schools that we're essentially throwing a life raft to right now. 
and welcome them aboard. And we can have our, our, our West Coast branch, so to speak. Whether that includes Stanford and Cal, I'm not so sure. They don't bring a whole lot, if anything, to the table from a, from a money standpoint, from a TV standpoint, but they are in Silicon Valley. They're two extremely uh, strong academic institutions, and I think it would give some of the presidents of the Big Ten some cover to say, look how noble we are, right? For lack of a better term, we're thinking about more than just the dollar or what, what's happening on the field. We're, we're, we're going to welcome these two schools in as well. Uh, but, but that's kind of where things stand right now. Then there's Florida State, which is doing its own thing, just kind of yelling and, and, and at seeing if anyone will pay attention to them right now. But like everyone else in the ACC, they're locked in with a grant of rights through 2036. And by all accounts, that thing's not getting challenged legally for a reason because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, not to mention the fact that no one from the ACC, at least as of today, has a standing invite from from the Big Ten or the SEC. Two years ago, Texas and Oklahoma left, Matt, and it looked like the Big 12 was on life support. Now the Pac-12 is. How, how did that flip? How did this happen to these two conferences? It's pretty crazy, right, Jeremy? I mean, and this isn't the first time you could say that, right? I mean, going back to 2010, I want to say, when I was in college, it looked like the Pac-12 was going to essentially annex half the Big 12, and that would be that. But Texas and Oklahoma ended up staying in the Big 12, and the Big 12 now may be in position to, to completely take out the Pac-12. Bob Bowlesby, who's the old Big 12 commissioner, had visited George Klyovkov uh, out west, the Pac-12 commissioner, shortly after Klyovkov got hired and shortly after Bowlesby lost Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. And I don't know the exact specifics of their conversation, but I do know there was a merger of sorts talked about. There was a schedule agreement of sorts talked about. And at that moment in time, there was a very real possibility that if George Klyovkov or the Pac-12 wanted to go in there and raise whatever was left of the Big 12 back then, they had the opportunity to do that. They chose not to. And now the tables have turned with Brett Yormark in charge as a Big 12 commissioner. And you've got to give Bob Bowlesby credit for, for this much. Even if it didn't work out with the Pac-12, he did backfill uh, the losses of Oklahoma and Texas. They got four schools starting this year, Big 12 play, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and uh, Houston. Houston. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with at this point. They're all starting Big 12 play this year. And uh, there may be more teams beyond Colorado joining them uh, in the short term because that's how quickly this thing has happened. So why would the Big Ten want to expand again, Matt? After adding UCLA and USC, obviously new commissioner and Tony Petiti, uh, why would they want to and how likely do you think it is? I don't know if they want to so much as the market for forces are, are dictating as much in this current climate. It's kind of a chess game at this point, right? Um, they added USC and UCLA last year. Obviously, you, you expand west. You, you add two big mar You add the second biggest media market in the country and two big brands in USC and UCLA. And Kevin Warren, who was the commissioner at the time, made no bones about his desires to continue to expand. And I think there was a lot of internal pushback of, hey, wait a minute. There's no one out there, aside from Notre Dame, which is its own thing, who's going to automatically make us richer. So we shouldn't just expand for the sake of expanding. And I think that's been the mantra within the Big Ten and the SEC recently um, in regards to the last year or so. There just really aren't a whole lot of valuable, available properties out there that will significantly increase your television and media rights package. Notre Dame obviously is one of them. I don't think Oregon or Washington are going to increase it, um, but they will be in this world, in this hypothetical and possible world where the Pac-12, as we know it, is down to six teams. Washington and Oregon are the two prettiest girls left on the dance floor, right? They're, they're two big enough brands who wouldn't bring down anyone in, in the Big Ten and who are looking for a lifeline and have a, a conference partner likely in the Big Ten that's more than happy to throw them their way. Now, they'd essentially have to buy their way in, from my understanding, and we saw this 
the last time around, uh, pre-USC and UCLA with conference expansion of the Big Ten. Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland each had to wait six full years uh, to get their full Big Ten shares. I'm curious what the financials of that might look like, and I'm sure that's being talked about, you know, ad nauseum behind closed doors right now because it was different for everybody uh, when they entered the Big Ten. Nebraska was getting their Big 12, what they would have gotten from the Big 12 when they left. Uh, Rutgers was getting what they would have gotten from the American Athletic Conference when they left, and Maryland was getting what they would have gotten from uh, the ACC when they left. So all three were getting different amounts of money, none of which compared to what the rest of their brethren within the Big Ten were getting. And certainly there's going to be a financial gap between Oregon and Washington in the early years of their Big Ten tenure if that were to happen uh, because of that. That being said, it's still going to be significantly higher than whatever they began from the Pac-12, which only just presented a media rights proposal to its members this week. So you get the wild, wild west happening, and the Big Ten may be getting involved in that in the Midwest. What's happening in the South? What, what's happening with the ACC and SEC right now, Matt? SEC, is, it's the only one that really stayed out of the headlines yesterday, and, and Greg Sankey has been pretty public about, you know, they're not really – their full focus right now is on Oklahoma and Texas, and, and that's that. Um, if the ACC were to fall apart, I'm sure there would be a, a, a turf war between the SEC and Big Ten to pick up the remaining crumbs because there's certainly some valuable brands within the ACC. It, it's just really hard. Like, this is nothing new, right, the financial gap between the ACC and the Big Ten and SEC. It's not new. It's going to get exacerbated over time because the ACC's current TV deal is signed through 2036. And to, to give you a basis for comparison, the Big 12's new deal doesn't even start for two more years, and it'll be up for renewal in 2031, five years before the ACC's current deal expires. So uh, that you can do the math. Everyone can do the math. The, the revenue gap is going to get wider and wider by the year. And if you're Clemson and Florida State, you're looking at that saying, how can we possibly compete for national championships when we just won't have the resources that Alabama or Ohio State will be getting from their conference. So I understand their frustrations. Uh, I think those are shared frustrations amongst those two and and about five other schools within the ACC right now. And the unique thing about the ACC is it's such a diverse makeup of schools, right? You have a handful of really small academically elite private schools like Wake and Duke and Boston College, you name it. And you've got others that, that, that look at themselves probably more as traditional SEC schools like Clemson and a Florida State. And, and those visions don't always align. The way it was described to me yesterday um, after that Florida State board meeting was, hey, like Jim Phillips, the ACC, they know how we feel. This wasn't for them. This was for the, the schools in this conference that are not serious about winning championships like we are, that are, think we should just be happy to get the money we're getting and to go home and, and play our games and, and give it our best shot. Because clearly not everyone in that league from an institutional standpoint is on the same page when it comes to college athletics and particularly college football. And, and you're starting to see the fissures and the foundations within that conference crack because you've got so many different viewpoints and so many different agendas. It's interesting, Matt. There's, I was thinking about this, and there's like a dichotomy going on here. I mean, college football has always had this like movement. There's always been movement, but the last couple of decades, obviously – it's a lot different and it's entertaining. I mean, this is interesting to talk it's great about. For business. <laughs> it's, great, it's great for our business, but at the same time, I understand America might not like this. Like this right. is an American tradition. Some of these rivalries, some of these conferences talking about the PAC 12 and the big 10, the Rose bowl. Like these are traditions right. that why people love college athletics in, in a big part is the tradition yet. Nothing is more American than brutal capitalism <laughs> right like this is this is no, it's, this is it's, capitalism it's, it's, at its, it's finest it's America in a nutshell right like yeah. we're sacrificing 
the, the long-term collegiality for lack of a better term for, for the short-term financial gain. And, you know, the idea, and, and again, this could be true seven hours from now, the idea of like PAC 12 not existing, like the entire West coast conference, if you want to call it that not existing, like it's a regional enough sport as is right. As far as like the power conglomerate to completely push the West coast to the side is pretty crazy to think about in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's just, it's different. I I look at a school like UConn, right? And uh, they joined the A's. They went all in on football erroneously way back when, and there's no getting out of that. They're all in right now, and to their credit, at least on the field, they were decent enough last year in Jim Morris' first year as coach. But UConn's a basketball school, men's and women's. And they were a fish out of water in the AAC, but they had to make that move because the Big East at the time was, was, was falling apart. And they cut their losses. They doubled down on their basketball investment. They won the national championship this year on the men's side. And that's their fifth national title since 1999. They've got dozen plus more on the women's side as well. And the UConn fan base, like that, that's a Big East fan base, right? Like I grew up in New York. I would go to the Big East tournament every year in UConn and Syracuse. Those were the two teams that would pack that venue and make it so special every single year and i think if you're uconn right now you know the big 12 wants uconn to join at some point uh brett yormark is an east coast guy with a basketball background who wants to enhance the overall basketball profile of the big 12 in addition to making money and making the football product good uconn is the apple of his eye in that regard if you're uconn and you still have a football team i don't think independence is sustainable i think you have to make that money grab and join the big 12 if you have an invite uh but you're really spitting in the face of your own fan base in a way, right? Like, that's an East Coast fan base. They don't want to fly to Tuesday night to Orlando to see UConn play at Central Florida. Uh, they just don't. And I don't know too many fan bases that do, at least from a basketball standpoint, make that kind of trip midweek. So uh, you need to be very careful and strategic about, uh, you know, where you, where your bread is buttered, I think, if you're UConn. And think long and hard about what you'd be signing up for. Because – there are two schools of thought here, right? It's awesome that UConn won a national championship in men's basketball. UConn is back. The sport is better when that big basketball brand like that is thriving. At the same time, they're in such a deep financial hole that, like, winning a men's basketball national championship is going to do very little to get them out of it. That's just the reality of the situation. Football is the main revenue driver right here. And UConn tried that by joining the AAC. And if you look at the AAC, where the AAC was when, when UConn left it in 2019 or so, versus the current Big 12, it's very, very similar, yeah. right? It's a Dallas-based conference, and a lot of those same schools that were in the last conference are in this conference, which also doesn't have Oklahoma and Texas anymore. So it, it, it would feel in some ways like maybe making the same mistake twice if you're UConn. I just don't know if you have a financial alternative. Yeah, I, I understand the economics of all of this. Like the, These decisions make sense when you, we're talking about survival and then thriving, right? Um, but for fans, I, I don't know if you can answer this question, Matt, but does this make college athletics better? Good question. I mean, it's hard to answer that as a blanket yes or no because everyone roots for their teams and, and, and the sport for, for, for different reasons. I mean, look, if you're looking at college athletics as a whole, I mean, the answer is no, right? Like the idea of like UCLA's uh, swim team traveling to Rutgers or Champaign, right? Like that's not healthy for anyone. It's just not. Now, conversely, if the Big Ten were to add four more Pac-12 schools tomorrow, you could – draw a pretty fine geographic line, right, between a Big Ten East division, Big Ten West division, and, and make it a little more feasible, both financially and, and mileage-wise. Um, it's different. It's changing. I think it's a lot happening at once, right? It's not just conference realignment. It's a transfer portal. It's NIL. It's eligibility. You, you know this sport in this world as well as anyone. 
forever for most of my lifetime. Everything moved at such a glacial pace with the NCAA, with college athletics, and now overnight, all of this is up for grabs. Like everything has changed, and uh, there's no one in charge looking out for the greater good of the sport or, or the enterprise. It's every man or woman for himself. Again, it's uniquely American in that regard. Uh, you just wonder, are we all going to look up a decade or so from now and see what happened? I, I, I don't know how we get from point A to point B, but I just don't see how 10 years from now, FBS football isn't its own thing, separate from the NCAA. And whether that means it has its own, it's independent of the conferences that they're in right now, or whether they form their own thing under the college football playoff umbrella, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out yet. Uh, but I just don't see the sustainability factor with football essentially following the same rules and paying the bills for all the Olympic sports that are going to have to make these incredible travel sacrifices. Yeah. It's interesting that at the end of the day, and this is another podcast for when it all happens, but like the sec could be like the Atlantic and the Gulf. And then you have yeah. the, the big, 10, AFC and NFC, yeah, the right? big 10 like be one, the West and East basically. The SEC right? is aligned with ESPN and yeah. the, uh, the big Ten's aligned with Fox and it's like CBS, you know, it's like the, the TV networks with the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's oversimplifying things, but in some ways it's not. I mean, it could be headed quickly toward that course. Yeah, conferences have divisions, things like that. It's 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 very <laughs> well possible we go back to that. Uh, Notre Dame in this, Matt. I know you've know a little bit about that program, so they just gonna wait and see what all happens here. Not as long as Jack Swarbrick's there, although he's retiring at the end of the year, so uh, we haven't got a chance to, to really meet Pete Pavacqua, his successor. He's the president of NBC Sports, obviously incredibly accomplished. Uh, sports executive, executive, but a guy I have not, I have zero, I've not met, haven't spoken to, not entirely familiar with. So I'm not entirely sure what his view on all this is or, or where he sees this thing going. Jack Swarbrick was always very good at, at, at reading a few steps ahead and, and settling Notre Dame into a corner or a place where they were going to be financially independently secure, regardless. I mean, he, he, was part of the four-man group that helped devise the 12-team college football playoff, which further ensured Notre Dame's independence. Because right. you, you look at a 12-team playoff, if you're a school like Notre Dame, and the old now to their credit, they did it, but in the 14 playoff, you got to go undefeated without a conference title game it's to make the playoff. And you don't in a 12-team playoff. You can go 10-2 and two and make it in some years. So I think that makes it much more accessible uh, for Notre Dame than it is in a four-team era. Uh, I'll be curious to see, though, if there are any philosophical changes when Pete Pavacqua fully takes over uh, as the full-time athletic director at Notre Dame. I did think, in light of the USC and UCLA editions last year, uh, at least I personally was able to view a path where Notre Dame did eventually join the Big Ten in a way that I could not see before, just because you do the math, I do the math. Like, that gap is real. Mm -hmm. And part of Notre Dame's appeal as an independent is to play a national schedule. And you can, the Big Ten's a national conference right now, right? Like, it's not a Midwest-based conference. You can play in Rutgers one week. You can close your season out in L.A. at UCLA or USC, as they do now with USC or Stanford every year. So I, I definitely can, can make logistical sense of it and financial sense of it right now. Now, that NBC deal is up in a few years. Based on the fact that they hired the NBC Sports president as their AD, I imagine they'll stick with NBC, right. who's now much more invested in the college game with the Big Ten package starting this year. Uh, I, I wonder what that number is for a slate of Notre Dame home games. And I wonder if there are, you know, maybe non-conference scheduling agreements with Big Ten teams that could help up the ante for that. Because there is a gap there. As long as that gap's minimal, I think you make up for that with the prestige and the, the donations you get, frankly, from, from an alumni base that is staunchly proud of being independent. 
Well, Matt, can I ask you a football question before you go? Yeah, football, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, as you said, you're in Chicago. You cover Illinois a bit. You do a good job of it. Uh, what intrigues you most about this Illinois football season ahead for Brett Bielma after what was a breakthrough, but at the end kind of a disappointing end uh, for Illinois in 2022? Yeah, you know, Jeremy, I love to hire Brett Bielema. I thought he'd get them back on track. I didn't think it would be that quickly. And, and, and you're right, it was a disappointing end. And the fact we can speak about year two of that regime, given the hole he had to dig out of, I think speaks to just how quickly the expectations have changed in Champaign, right? I mean, I was uh, in town for that Minnesota game. Uh, and I believe Minnesota was about a touchdown favorite or so going into that. And the way Illinois just completely throttled them, I thought, all right, see you in Indy. Like, no one on this side of the division is going to beat these guys. And sure enough, they lose at home to Michigan State, to Purdue. Then they darn near beat Michigan of all teams, which would have got them right back into the Indy picture. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see the quarterback situation, what it's like without Tommy DeVito. Curious to see how that offense moves without Chase Brown, who, Brown, who you know, for my money was one of the most underrated players in the country last year. No disrespect to Mo Ibrahim or, or Blake Corum, but I, I thought all three of those guys were on the same level, yep. right? Uh, I didn't think anyone was, was significantly better than the other. Um, and the defense, without Ryan Walters and without Kevin Kane, who played a big role in that defense as well. Corey Patterson, the new D.C., first-year play caller. I'm sure he'll have some help from the head guy uh, with the defensive background and Brett Bielema. Uh, so I'm curious to see, you know, how they adjust to the personnel changes both on the sideline and on the field. And that non-conference schedule, uh, I joked about it with Josh Whitman when I saw him at Indy. He was like, whoever we announce from now, you could bet on them being good. Because, yep. like, Toledo wasn't Toledo when we scheduled them. Kansas certainly wasn't Kansas on a short week when we scheduled them. Um, you know, Toledo, I think, is the biggest conference favorite of all the preseason conference polls. Like, they're the defending MAC champion. They are very capable of going into Champaign or, or, or any Big Ten locale outside of Columbus or Ann Arbor and pulling off an upset. Uh, and, and that Kansas game is, is no picnic either based on the way they played last year under Lance Leifold. So uh, I think it's a challenging schedule. I think there's some, some question marks, not in a negative sense, just in a curiosity sense on both sides of the ball about how they're going to play. But uh, the expectation level is certainly higher. Uh, I can't wait. I'll be there for, for that week three game, big noon against Penn State. Um, hopefully that place is rocking. I know the weather will be nice, and uh, hopefully it's a great atmosphere. But, you know, selfishly, you know, it, it's better for business for me as well, being in Chicago when uh, the in-state programs are doing well. And I, I think I can count on Illinois a little bit more this year than I can the one about half half an hour north of me uh, in Evanston. <laughs> yeah, one of the storylines you mentioned, you said Corey Patterson, I know you meant Aaron Henry, uh, the new defensive coordinator. Oh, jeez. Yeah, just yeah. just wanted to make sure. Uh, I know people are like, oh, it's, it's Aaron Henry. Um, but Northwestern, where do they go from here, Matt? I think it might get worse. Today they start camp, funny enough. I, I, I think it might get worse before it gets better. And I say that because there really hasn't been much of a public defense being mounted against Northwestern. They're, they're, they're pretty staunchly holding on to the details of that six-month uh, hazing investigation, investigative report that ultimately led to the firing of Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I think we could sit here and debate all day about what did happen, what didn't happen, who's responsible, who's not. I think the one thing we can all agree on is the, the institution handled this thing so poorly. To go from a two-week Friday news dump suspension to firing your legendary coach less than 72 hours later is mind-boggling. It, it's caused more questions than answers. Uh, there are a lot of angry people on both sides of the aisle there. David Braun, who's never coached a day of football at the FBS level in any way, shape, or form, is now the head coach of a Big Ten program. Um, there are a lot of questions there. And, you know, I had my football-related 
serious reservations about them right. entering this year, coming off a one eleven year last year. Uh, I'm curious to see how this plays out, right? Does the president keep his job? Does the AD keep his job? I mean, I think it's safe to say no one on that sideline this year will be there next year. But if you're David Braun and, you know, this, you were you, you have no ties to the past and whatever did or didn't happen there, you at least can look at this as your audition. I mean, if you go five and seven, you'll get a good job, a good DC job, I imagine, somewhere right. next year. Uh, so I think it's a good audition for him in that regard. But football-wise, you know, look, they got Ben Bryant from Cincinnati. He's the closest thing to a proven quarterback they've had. They, they had paid him Ramsey the COVID year. He was, he was good. But since the Clayton Thorson years in 2018, they've really struggled at that position. Uh, and I think Bryant was going to give them at least a little bit of stability there. But, hmm. man, Jerry, they're, they're just, it's just such a negative atmosphere there right, right. now. Um, you've got probably just with the makeup of that school, you've probably got a lot of people on that campus rooting against you, right? Hmm. I mean – I thought it was interesting, and I get why they did it, but, you know, Big Time Media Day, the night before, the, they announced the players aren't going to be speaking. And, look, I, I, I get it if you're a player. You're, and I know they didn't decide this. The, the crisis communications uh, firm that they're using decided that for them. But I, if you're a player there, I, I can understand there's a sense of, well, the president hasn't given a press conference. The AD had it to that point. Why do I got to go up there and explain myself to a national media contingent outside of my comfort zone? And I thought David Braun, to his credit, handled that day about as well as humanly possible. Right. But I did ask Braun Point Blake, how do you flip the script on the narrative surrounding your program right now? And he said, put our players on full display. I thought, well, you had a golden opportunity to do that today, right? I mean, right. the narrative right now is not pretty about a Northwestern football player. And I'm sure there's a lot of FU built up in those guys internally to go out there and show that they're more than what a lot of these lawsuits and, and accusations are, are saying they are right now. So does that have a galvanizing effect? I don't know. I, I mean, the, the layers of sophistication of what happened or didn't happen there over such a long period of time makes it difficult really to ascertain from the outside looking in who's innocent, who's not, who should I feel bad for, who shouldn't. Um, and let's not forget, they're still on track to be homeless for two years after this. Like, as far as I know, they haven't canceled the Ryan Field rebuild. Pat Ryan and his family still want to see that thing through. Uh, but there was local pushback under good times toward that stadium again rebuilt as well. So that's one more layer of sophistication on top of what will be a very strange coaching search uh, come November and probably behind the scenes much, much earlier than that. Matt Fortuna, you can check him out. The Inside Zone, his new endeavor, one of the better guys covering national college football. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Matt, appreciate the time, my man. Thank you. Apologies, Lion-Eye Nation, for getting the D.C. name screwed up. It's uh, – been a hectic first week i promise i won't screw that up in print a lot of names teams conferences going through matt fortuna's head right now thanks matt thanks Jerry. great stuff from matt fortuna he's the goods you can uh, follow him on twitter at matt underscore fortuna does a really good job covering national college football the athletic does a fantastic job of it as well you know scott doctorman did a story on brian ferentz today it was really good but nicole arbach up in chicago does a really good job following all of this uh nationally uh pete tamil obviously is really good at ESPN, so kind of making sense of all of this. Brandon Marcel from 24-7 Sports, a really good uh, breakdown of where everything stands as well. But, you know, this is one of America's great modern traditions, college football, if you think about it, the last 100, 150 years. Uh, and it's getting reshaped, and we might think it's un-American, but like I was talking about with, with Matt, it's nothing's more American than ruthless capitalism, and nothing more American than taking this thing that is so American and kind of breaking it up for the sake of more cash and kill or be killed 
That's just kind of what we have right now. It's a kill or be killed environment, and nothing epitomizes that more than what's happened with the Pac-12 and Big 12. Big 12 looked dead two years ago. They went, found four more new schools, couldn't replace Texas and Oklahoma with two schools. So they went and got four more, and they get a pretty decent media rights deal. I mean, it's a good one for them, but you know, compared to the SEC and Big Ten, it's not great. Then the Pac-12 just decided to sit there. They could have maybe gotten some of these Big 12 schools. They, they sat back. They didn't kill. They didn't have the killer in them. They were too nice. And the Big 12 just turned around and said, remember that alliance we had? Yeah. <laughs> forget about that the Big Ten already showed that and give credit to uh, Kevin Warren and more of the, the leadership for just uh, the, the university's presence chancellors are just saying hey let's go get USC and UCLA and let's get more money and Alliance be damned they killed the Big Ten's a killer the SEC is a killer the Big 12 now is a killer the ACC just struggling to hold on stay afloat and they're they're grant of rights through at 2034 it's probably going to be able to keep them together for a little while longer while Clemson and Florida State throw a fit about it but at least they have that grant of rights the Pac-12 boy um, it's amazing that this could all go under here pretty quickly and by the time this podcast you listen to this podcast maybe it happens and we will find out right away but the Big Ten I, I agree with Matt do they want Oregon and Washington they didn't seem to want it last year but if the Pac-12 is down to six schools and Oregon and Washington want out, you might expand just to keep someone else from getting them, right? And, and to make sure you remain a top two power and maybe the power if you had schools like that. Stanford and Cal, are they going to have much? They won't get much of the money if they add it. But then it all gets the questions of what, what's a conference compared to we're going to go back to divisions or pods or whatever it is. How does this all work? I don't know. You know, I, I understand expansion, but it's getting to the point where it's looking like three Super Leagues, maybe four, and obviously two power conferences here. What's this all look like in 10 years? But I do agree with Matt. I don't know if the NCAA is going to be involved with these super conferences because it's just a different world. It's a different world than everybody else. You know, all the 350 other Division One schools, the 40 that will be in these two super conferences, the other – 30 that'll be in the other two it's just in a completely different world than the uh, rest of college athletics so i guess we'll find out pretty shortly what's happening with this college football realignment and then we can talk about what it means for the big 10 illinois and all of that but uh, the one thing illinois has going for it it is in one of the super conferences you'd rather be in that than say where oregon state or cal are right now or really even oregon washington trying to find a home potentially. So Illinois got that going for it. That is for sure. Thank you for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast. If you are listening to this right away on August 3rd, Thursday, you still have a few hours left potentially to sign up for a 75% off deal. It's our best deal of the year. We've had dozens of you sign up already, but it's savings of more than $80 for the first year of your membership. So, Take advantage of it. That is seven cents a day for in-depth Illini coverage. We really try to give you as in-depth Illini coverage as possible and take it from some of our members. Uh, I think they're pretty satisfied with what we do so far, and we're always trying to get better and better at what we do as well. And uh, your support of us helps us do that. 
So thank you for listening to the Lightning Choir Podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. But everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Lightning Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody.